Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Luke, and Luke encountered a demon while living over in Asia. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, bro. It is exciting to have you on, mate, because demon stories are a very rare occurrence here on the Believe podcast, and <laughs> yours is absolutely next level, mate. I, I don't know how you you live with this. Um, are you able to go back to the start and tell us how this thing may have entered your life? Yeah, for sure. Um, like, as I said to you before, just before we were on the air, like it's it's a bit of a long story, um, and I'll need to give you some insight for everything to sort of link up and make sense. But um, you know, th- the story has a lot to do with a, a recent movie uh, that came out about the Japanese underground that was featured on uh, what was that movie called, uh, The Outsider, which I actually did advising for in pre-production um, when I was translating when they came over to interview my tattoo artist, which is you know very much ingrained into this story. And also I was on Viceland recently, um, which was you know seen all over the world. So it's crazy how many people have approached me in airports um, for that as opposed to my current work, which... I was used to, you know what I mean? Putting out, you know, four books recently and different movies and, and TV shows that I'd done and stuff. So I was like really sort of put, you know, put back because I didn't want that attachment to, um, uh, you know, my so-called mafia tats. I don't think it's, um, you know, uh, my involvement in that scene and, every, and everything is not something I'm hugely proud of. Um, 
but I understand they've got their place in society and they see themselves as, you know, the last uh, the last living samurai and local militia and all that sort of thing. But um, I don't think organised crime should be glamorised at all. Um, but it's something I do I, I do sort of know quite a bit about being um, based in Japan. Uh, basically, I first went over there in 2005, um, spent most of my adult life there. And, um, yeah, just... Uh, Worked a lot of uh, doors and close protection, private investigation gigs and, um, yeah, that sort of scene. So you, you end up rubbing shoulders with uh, a lot of people in the underground. And But luckily a positive sort of story comes out of that. And, uh, yeah, so um, that's that's how I sort of first got involved in this whole – I think people like to label it as a bit of a spiritual thing. I'm, I'm not very much that way inclined, although I am Buddhist, um, have been for over 20 years. I still, I'm not one of these people, as I said to you before, trying to say, oh, look at me, I'm special. I've got, you know, I want to be labelled this or that. I'm, I just had some strange encounters and I, I just thought I'd share it and put it out there, man. So, yeah, but um, I, I am a follower of your podcast, by the way. Um, I've, I've listened to the first one um, the other night and I, I can see it's come a long way, man. So congratulations. Yeah, That's really thank awesome. You. The uh, first episode <laughs> was a bit rough. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, our one, you know, was very humble beginnings too, man. Like just a phone and even our Japanese version of the podcast and that has come a long way and, and we're using similar setup to you now. And it's, it's really good to see that people have um, taken in, interest in this sort of thing. I think it's a kind of cool subject, you know, and, um, you know, we've had all sorts of guys from survival experts to LAPD to medium and spiritual types. And I've got to say, man, like before I go on with my story, I'm, I'm quite a skeptic um, on most things and I, I, but I remain impartial. I give everyone that sort of basic respect. You know what I mean? I don't sit there and, you know, try to disrespect them or, or disregard their encounter or, or, you know what I mean? But I'll just, I'll hear everyone out. So um, I've, I've had two encounters myself out in the bush, um, but, you know, I have, I have trouble explaining it, but I, I always constantly go through that process of elimination. Like, you know, not like these guys that I was telling you about before that um, go out and they, they're so-called researchers and every time they find something, you know, it's like, well, I don't know anyone else that lucky, you know, not even real scientists that have got a degree in everything. So, um yeah, I kind of, I'm just, I remain impartial to it all, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. I think it's a, I, um, it's a good way to be as well, because when you start to label yourself as a, you know, as a researcher or as an expert, you, you put yourself in a, in a very, very, I guess, small box. And mm-hmm. there's, there's really no way to come out of that without, I guess, sometimes looking a little bit silly. I totally agree, man. And I've, I've worked on firearms, um, on shooting ranges, uh, being a firearms instructor and specialist in certain things, being an armorer and, um, and certain martial arts as well. I do have qualifications and, you know, lifetime of experience in that. So I can speak on those subjects, but on this, uh, as I said, I, I've just got to remain impartial because it's, it's just something that happened. It's just an encounter. And, um, yeah, so I see what you think. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I was kind of spooked as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, um, in Australia growing up and my old man was a cop, he was a detective and then head of some, uh, was it, uh, crime, was it tax crime unit or something like that? I, yeah, I've, as I said, I've, I've lived away for a long time, so I didn't have much to do with him. But, um, as I said, I, I end up working doors and, and bouncing and doing a bit of PI work and close protection for some high profile people, uh, especially in Japan. And I've worked a lot in LA and um, especially on shooting ranges and that, and just a bit of a nomad in terms of, you know, 
Jippo sort of thing, just going back and forth around the place between Japan and the States and having the show in the UK and that. So I've, um, it's uh, it's definitely shaped my sort of perception of things and uh, it's not typical to most Aussies and the, you, you know what I mean? Like their sort of uh, thought process or the belief. So it's kind of hard to bring this sort of thing up with people. But um, yeah, man, as I said to you before, I think before we were on the air, I've, I've been through 35 countries and worked in a lot of high-risk environments and countless violent situations on the job and not a lot really scares me. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that to sound like a badass <laughs> at all. I, I'm six, five and I'm 115 kilos. And I, as I said to you before we spoke, I just finished training, I, I, but I don't talk about it. I don't go out there and label myself as like this badass. I, I'm, 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 I'm quiet. I keep to myself. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but Having been based in Japan um, for that long, you know, most of my life until just recently and still back and forth, I do have um, a very different group of uh, a circle of people around me. And uh, having that Buddhist sort of uh, and Taoist beliefs, um, we refer to uh, what you might know as gods um, or deities as ancestors, people that were before us that have left sort of uh, teachings and guidelines and, and stuff like that. So Taoism is like how to interact with your um, environment and feng shui comes from that, tai chi comes from that, traditional Chinese medicine comes from that. Um, uh, did I mention tai chi? That's something I've been doing for probably 20 years. And anyway, from in the Buddhist sects, especially uh, groups that I'm involved in, there is uh, certain disciplines that uh, talk about spirits a lot more. And as I said, I, I'm very impartial to all that. But um, demons in Japan, for example, uh, are sort of, if I can relate this to a Western sort of um, belief system or, or understanding, it would be like a gargoyle. So when you see um basically I've, I've, I've got a chain on me that I wear every day that's got um, one of the, the goddess of mercy. It's from our main uh, sort of ancestral god in the Buddhist groups and Taoist group that I'm involved with as well. In Japan, we'll call her Kandon Sama, or in um, Chinese, it's Guan Yin, or Guan Yin, I think, in Thai. Um, but anyway, the on the other side of the coin, where that sort of dark and what you'll see is evil side, if you see my back piece, it's like, well, that's pretty confronting for some people. They think it's a big dragon or demon, but it's it's a protector and what we call a mamori, like something that protects you. So I've got little charms, good luck charms in my, um, in my, in my wallet, for example, or attached to my bag because I travel to so many messed up places with so so much shit kicking off all the time. It's like, it's just a bit of a personal belief, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it's a bit of a placebo effect, but as as I did mention to you before, I've, I've seen things that I don't think other people could uh, really fathom. And that's in real life. That's not spirits or anything. Um, so I, I do really tend to believe in these protectors. Um, but there's, there's definitely a calm and uh, cool, collected, sort of polite, uh, very nice uh, sort of serenity type feel to my city in Japan, which is Saitama City, Omiya. My head office and my head, my main gym is still based there and house and everything. So very much still ingrained to that. But there's also a very dark and evil side. And I was exposed to that um, just, you know, working the nightlife, red night districts, um, Mizushobai as we call it, and uh, rubbing shoulders with many from the underground. So I've, I've been exposed to what, some people would only really see in the movies and might think it's cool, but it's really not. So um, since 08, I was uh, kind of stalked by one of the local clans trying to recruit me. Um, my Japanese YouTube channel blew up at the time. Um, 
as I said to you before, it's helped me get where I am in the industry with TV shows and movies and four books and 20 locations throughout Japan and everything. But you never know who's watching you. And that's always stuck in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, because I'd have people pop up all the time. And as the law changed in 2009, I think it was, for organized crime in Japan, um, they would... It would be it, it would be a lot harder to spot certain people. They wouldn't they stop getting tatted up for one. Um, a lot of them turn into more of a business minded type of approach to their operations. And your typical thugs or shit kickers, so to speak, they would sort of cause drama. But your your real sort of uh, I'm going to call them influence influential types. I don't like to use the M word. Um, they they're very hard to spot. So I I wasn't paranoid, but I was always prepared. If that makes sense and. And that can um, lead to a, a pretty heightened sense of uh, stress. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was I was stalked a lot and I was challenged uh, quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it, it led to a lot of interesting gigs anyway because I had that spotlight on me. And when I walked through the streets of my city, Saitama City or Omiya, uh, a lot of people know me. <laughs> I go take guys back and and we'll go down to um, you know the local nightlife area. And I've got all these dudes stand up from going. Oof, 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 and say, like this, it's, uh, I'm trying to say that you know this sort of thing isn't cool. But then when people come over and see, they go, "Oh wow, this is like this is like the movies." I'm like, "Well, yeah, just just remain impartial. Just nod your head, bow, say good day, and 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 be on your way." And I think that's best. So I try to to uh, not get myself tied up in any of that. But one of my very close friends, who's my tattoo artist, Horiden, is um, she's uh, training to be a Buddhist. Uh, what would you call in English? Like a priest, female priest. What would you call that? A nun, I guess. Uh, or Borsan in, in Japanese. And um, so I've spent 200 hours with her getting inked, but then also the whole time speaking about the relationship between Buddhist philosophies and how they're depicted within the art of Itazumi, which you may be familiar of, or with, sorry, and um, what we call Wabori, because there's Yobori and Wabori. Wabori is like uh, the Japanese art of tattooing. So, wa, like Washoku, Washoku is uh, Japanese food. Wabori, Horu is to. Uh, dig or to engrave or in this case to be tattooing so the real term for japanese tattooing is how we call it in japan is wabori so yeah so i've been learning a lot about that and all the um sort of uh, how the traditions and belief systems are reflected within the arts of the, t- the tattooing arts you know and um and why a lot of these uh, let's call them influential underground people have certain things on them but you know, she got to know me and got to know my story, and that's how I ended up with my ink. But the first time I met her was at her 10-year anniversary in 08, I think it was. And we had 120 guys with different back pieces and girls with different back pieces over that 10-year span all stand on this one stage, and she wanted to get them photographed. And it was, you know, there's documentary being made and all that there too. But um, there's people from different clans, and with that comes rivals and you know she needed someone impartial that can speak the language and could be personable and deal with any you know sort of real drama if it kicked off so that's how i got that job and got involved with her and um she's not with any sort of clan specifically anymore she's um she's a very well renowned and respected artist in the community so that's really cool and she gives talks even here in australia in brisbane once um and uh, yeah, does a lot of charity work for the victims of Fukushima and, and um, Kumamoto as well, as I did with the uh, victims of the earthquake and the relief needed and everything like that. So anyway, back on track. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've, I'm very uh, involved with her and, and um, uh, on a friendship, on a friendly level, I guess you'd say, and just, um, you know, have learned quite a bit about the cultural side of that. And um, so it's... 
you know, as I said to you before, I, I translated and advised for her when um, the producers for that movie came in for Netflix uh, and a bunch of other projects. Um, and also Vice, Viceland, when Needles and Pins came in. So, um, you know, I'm used to talking about this subject and trying to uh, remain impartial and, and, and not glamorise it. But um, my back piece, uh, the first bit of my tattooing that I did over there, which is which is all I've got now, um, you know, it's, it's weird because I, someone tagged me at it on Facebook and in the first few days of Viceland putting that out, I think two or three million people saw that and I got all these messages like, oh... You know, you, it, it looks like you're in the mafia and all this sort of thing. And I said the M word just now, didn't I? But, um, uh, you know, they've sort of branded me in a certain way. And I, I was really unhappy with it because I don't think that any of that sort of thing's cool at all, as I said. But um, I got that back piece because I was involved in uh, quite a sketchy scene uh, while, while things were heated at one point, And I always wanted someone to watch my back. I had partners. I had you know, security teams that I was training in Tokyo and all over the place. And when I was traveling for protection assignments, there was me and one other guy or me and two other guys, retired special ops guys, this sort of things, Japanese guys, obviously. But, um, yeah, it was always sort of on my way home from work. I'd stop by the local Zen temple or the, the shrine that's just next to my house. And um, I, was, I always sort of felt like I was being watched, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if you've ever been out in the bush and, and you're out walking or whatever and you just feel like you're being washed and then you see there's another hiker there or or anything like that. I just sort of felt like, you know, and this is always like 3, 4, even 5 a.m. or whatever, so I just stop and do Tai Chi or Tongnong or one of, one of the arts that, you know, I just practice. And and um, I didn't think too much of it, but it was around that same sort of time when the first uh, sort of encounter, as I guess I should call it, sort of happened. So we have a bunch of uh, gatherings that we do around the world, like, for Silat, we'll go to Malaysia. Uh, we'll do a bunch of training there for like a week long on Langkawi Island or whatever. We do survival camps in Thailand where we, we'll teach survival and personal security concepts and we'll do a bunch of shooting from cars and, you know, working with local law enforcement, spec ops and all that. And I was working at the um, police shooting range and the manager lady that uh, was sort of translating, you know, helping us acquire um, ammunition and uh, helping me get on board with local cops and become friends with them and them even lending me their guns sometimes on their days off. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, she, she played that part. So anyways, uh, I'd finished up on the last day. We'd had a big shoot. We had 35 to 40 guys, I can't remember, from all over the world. Um, the States, Germany, uh, UK, uh, even Australia, obviously. Australian Federal Police, one of our guys is a Fed um, that represents us down south at our branch and um yeah so we're all, we're all pretty serious about what we do but we went back to the resort and um i was about to give a debrief and i was just knackered so i said to her oh i just want to grab one of these motorbikes and head up to the to the uh, convenience store and get an iced coffee and i was kind of addicted to it and she goes oh i want an ice cream and i said oh ice cream. What, what sort of ice cream are you talking about like what do you want she said, oh, i just go with you you know like <laughs> so okay cool jump on the bike and I'm, I'm a pretty responsible guy. I'm a father. I'm a fam family man, and, and I'll protect people for a living for a long time. So I'm not an idiot, you know what I mean? I don't jump on and go, oh, check this out and fang a wheelie or anything like that. But, uh, but uh, and she's an older lady too, you know what I mean? Like she's um, not old. I'm not saying by any stretch, but she was probably pushing 50, and I, and I wasn't going to be a, a knob on the bike. So anyway, she jumped on, and I, I took it easy, went up to the road, got a coffee and an ice cream, come back, and noticed that the road was sort of like – it was out on the beach. Our resort was out on the beach. So between the main road where the shop was and the road that leads to it was uh, 
parts of it were dirt and gravel and a bit of concrete here and there and it was just you know it's a bit of a mess but anyway we're on the way back and i thought it was i thought i was taking it easy i was going quite slow um i must have hit the sand and next thing i know man like we're in the air the bike just flipped and i i, I don't know i don't know what's going on i was standing in 40 degree heat most of the day with all my gear on shooting and running and gunning and throwing lead down range and you know training a bunch of guys and it's very high stress you have to be on point all day you know what i mean you, you you're being safe yourself obviously um and but also when you're teaching safe usage and handling of firearms you, you've got to be on everyone but but keep a very relaxed sort of demeanor about you because if you stress anyone out um, or cause them to panic or whatever, which which has happened in the before in the past in in LA for example, um, I've seen people uh, cause accidents. You know what I mean? Um, so we kind of try to stay uh, very calm. Having said that, uh, keeping that balance is very tiring. So by the time I got back, I, I stripped off. You know, I think I only had some bodies on. So as we're flying through the air, it's hit me like, oh my god, you tool, you've only got or, or my Buddha, you tool, you've gone through the air and now you know you're, you're facing the ground. I've hit the deck. I've got bark off all over me, like my chest, my my arms, my knees, my elbows. You know, my hands, even my hands. That sucked. You know, I've got to use my hands for work, man. Like, <laughs> you know, running and gunning and teaching weapons and all this stuff. And now I can't even. I can't even hold. You know, soap or anything. <laughs> so that really sucked. But uh, we hit the deck, and she's. Um, oh, I just heard her scream, and I looked over, and um, the bike was on top of her. You know, the muffler. Um, it was on her arm, and she. She'd hit the deck as well, obviously, and she was wearing a singlet or something like that. And where she'd had bark come off her arm, a lot of skin come off her arm, the bike had landed and it was burning her. Oh, no. So I've, yeah, so I've sort of come to and I've looked over and gone, oh, shit. And I've pushed the bike off her, not like I'm the Hulk or anything, but I'm just saying it was a little bike, you know, like a moped, but it sounds like a dirt bike and you feel like your sons of anarchy riding with your crew through the streets. <laughs> just a bunch of tools, really. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, we're just having fun. So anyway, I was, I was being careful, as I said, but it was only a little bike, so I pushed it off her. And I've sort of looked around behind me and there was um, – it was really bizarre, man. We, we landed between two trees, um, like palm trees, and in front of us, sort of, sorry, behind us, but if we were facing the way in which we sort of flew off the bike, it'd be in front of us, a small uh, Buddhist shrine. Now, uh, a shrine looks like a mini temple. It's just a place of worship where you will do prayers and offerings and stuff like that. Um, we have them all over Japan. We have them in our house. We have them in our main dojo back in Omiya in my city over there. Um, and so it's a, it's a common thing, but just the fact that I didn't notice it going past and the fact that we landed right in front of it and missed these two trees, which we could have, you know, come flying off that bike, landed head first into and died. Um, you know, freak accidents like that. I saw one of my friends when I was 16 die like that. It was, it was absolutely horrible. He'd come off a bike and hit a car like that. So, you know, it's, it's something that I'd consider to be a near death experience. And, um, anyway, we, got up on our feet eventually and we're all dazed and disorientated and what and we're heading back to um towards the hotel and my guys come looking for us because we were longer than you know 10 minutes or whatever they come looking which is good of them but most of them are like cops and military special forces whatever um so they see us walking down the road like zombies you know we've got blood coming out of us all over the place and we're all limping and you know uh, like this <laughs> and um so they help us get back to the hotel and i remember she went to hospital and come back a few hours later i'm lying there bleeding trying to patch myself up i've always got first aid kits on me from being on the range but she brought back this sort of curry based thing i, I think it was called cumin i could be wrong 
Um, but something like that. And she goes, look, I know this is horrible. Um, I've been patched up, you know, I'm fine. I only just had a scar and I'm, I'm sore, but you're in a really bad way. But see, I, I know guys that ended up in the hospital down there and had to get their arm. At, one guy, an Irish fellow that had a bike accident, had to get his arm ap- amputated. See what I mean about not being on talk properly. Um, so anyway, he, uh, I was like, I'm not going to hospital, you know, I'll just patch myself up. So she brought this curry back and threw it in all my ro- wounds and I'm sitting there screaming like, oh, my God, that was like instant regret, you know, the worst thing possible. <laughs> I've gone, why would you do this to me? <laughs> you know, I've just got mad road rash and you're just like, you put this curry in it. I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So that was a really bad idea. And then she she left, went back to uh, whatever she was doing. I can't remember. And I'm sitting there in bed, man, and I'm just sort of – sort of in and out of consciousness. I, I, I was knackered. I was absolutely knackered. I was really tired. Um, but I remember looking forward at one point and I looked to the side and as I, as I looked from my bed towards the bathroom on the side of me, on my left-hand side, there was this big window. And on top of that window where there was like a curtain, there was a curtain rod, there was this massive black, uh, for lack of a better term, what I would say demon-looking thing just sitting there with uh, his knees bent, uh, his arms sort of draped sort of hanging over one knee was his uh top arm and the other arm was hanging down and he was just looking at me and i was like what uh trying to keep this pg rated or whatever whatever we call but yeah i i uh let out some profanity and i was like what and then i i looked to the side and i looked back and it was still there and i looked away again to the side and i looked back and it was still there oh wow and i and i I turned my head to the to the side like you know how when you look at something you're like what the you know I was like that, and it did the same thing. It looked at me like, what? Oh, that's and creepy. Was, yeah, it was really creepy, man. I was like sitting there. I don't panic about much. I, I told you before we went on air some of the things that I've been through, and I, not a lot phases me, man, you know, and and that did. I was like, what? And um, I, I look away again. I look back, and it was gone. That 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 was it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and it had – so just to be specific um, – because I know everyone's going to ask, well, what did it look like? You know, <laughs> um, it was big and black. And uh, I, as I said, I'm six foot five, 115 kilos, 265 pounds for those over the states or whatever. Um, so I'm a bigger fella, but this thing was bigger than me. And I'm not trying to say that it was a yowie or anything like that. I'm just saying it was big. And um, the face and the head of it was kind of the best thing I can describe that's similar of, of relevance is um, do you remember that? That skateboard brand Spitfire, Spitfire wheels with the, it looks like a smiley face, but it's turned into a demon. The head yeah. sort of flames. And yeah, it was, uh, it sort of looked like that, man. That's the best thing that I can sort of relate it to from memory. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's so uh, clear in my mind when I think about it now. It's such a vivid memory. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like I, I can remember because after that, as I said, I had, um, I had an accident after that and brain surgery and I've got brain damage since then, but I can still remember this very clearly, even just looking at it, even the room and everything. But what happened before and after that is still a bit of a blur, if that makes sense. And now a quick word from our sponsor. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. 
Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yeah, no, I, and, and it would be. I mean, you've, you've just gone through a, you know, a pretty traumatic accident and then you've seen something that is, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll just mentally scar you for forever seeing something like that. And considering that it's so big, that would have been terrifying in itself. Well, I mean, one of my current partners that I train with a lot of time in the States for catch wrestling and that he's 160 kilos, six foot eight or whatever he is. So I wasn't really, um, I'm used to big things and intimidating things and that, but that was like just this sense of vulnerability, man. Like, Jesus, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the no, unknown that, that kind of makes that terrifying. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, man. So, hundred percent. So, when you were seeing this thing, could you could you see like any detail to it? Like, could you see if it was yep. if it was hairy or if it was like smooth skin, anything like that? No, no. I'll be honest, I couldn't see anything like that, man. There was no there was no definition in terms of that sort of thing. Um, and I'll get to later on why I kind of when I was talking to someone else on my podcast why what they said was sort of validated, but just in a nutshell, it's it's like if something walks past you or, or something moves corner of your eye. Like I used to hunt a lot as a kid back here in Australia and um, you'd see a kangaroo move through the bushes or a rabbit or whatever we're hunting, you know what I mean, or pigs or whatever, and you see it and it's kind of like that. It registers on your field of vision or your peripheral and then you sort of look at it. It was kind of like that, man. I, I, I saw it and, I, and you're sitting there thinking – should I, I saw it, but I didn't see it, but I know I saw it, if you get what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Like it, and the and the fact yeah. that when you, you turned your head back and it was still there, that's that's yeah. really validating. It was, it was like, I think it was three or four times that I went back and forth and back and forth. And I think the third time, the second or third time, third time, I think, when I turned my head like, what? I'm trying to get a better look at it. But it was like, have you ever woken up in the morning um, when I used to live with Koreans, I uh, did this project with Koreans for a while and, and they were talking about ghosts and that sort of thing. And when they wake up in the morning, can't move this paralysis. They talk about a ghost coming down and holding them down the light. And I'd, I'd had similar things, but I'd never saw anything, but it's sort of like that when you wake up in the morning and, and someone says something or your missus might go out or whatever, and you, you register that that's going on, but you weren't awake, awake. Do you get what I mean? It's like that sort of in between state of yeah, consciousness yeah, where you're awake, but you're not sort of thing. So for me, it kind of felt like that, man. And I, I was, you know, um, fast forward two weeks, if, if you don't mind, if I jump. Yeah, to the go next for part. it. Um, um, <laughs> I don't mind answering any question to, if you want me to elaborate on anything, please just interrupt me. But just, just to, again, put it in perspective, I was two weeks later, um, cause before the gig in Thailand, they said to me, what are you doing? You've got this brain tumor. You're due for a, a stroke or an aneurysm. Have you had one yet? And I was like, what? Nah. And they're like, well, what are you doing next Tuesday? I said, I'm working at a police shooting range. I can't, I can't be here. I've got a massive gig. I'd have to, you know, I just can't do it. And I said, well, you could die. And I said, well, I could die any day. Isn't it? I'll see you next, see you in two weeks or three weeks, whatever it was. So I come back. It was really awesome because I wasn't even a resident of Australia, man. They put me through. They did my um, brain surgery. They removed the tumor and everything for free. It was absolutely free because I was like a category four or whatever, like high risk of dying. So, you know, everyone's freaking out. My parents came down to, this is in Brisbane. They're like worried that I was going to die again and all this sort of thing because I'd, I'd had tumors taken out of me since I was a kid. And um, I just wasn't faced. <laughs> I was gone through a lot, you know, working in Brazil and Mexico and all these really rough parts of the world. And I just thought, whatever, I'll see you on the other side. When I woke up, the doctor said to me, you're effing lucky. We nearly 
I was a South African woman. She's like, we nearly lost you like this. And I was like, oh, all right, sorry, I didn't do my job. You're the one <laughs> cutting my head open. Like, what are you on about, you know? And um, then it sort of become apparent and clear that, you know, they sort of hit some sort of main vein and my head swelled up and I was, I was actually quite badly injured. Um, so I remember I had to get out of the hospital because all sorts of, you know, wardens were just being pricks and uh, I had issues and, and uh, I went up and stayed in the uh, hinterland of the Sunshine Coast where I'm sort of half-based now. And uh, I was in the Sunshine Coast staying with my auntie who's a nurse practitioner. So she was looking after me, after me as was my mum because I could barely move, man. I couldn't feed myself, couldn't do anything. Um, and do you remember that old movie, The Coneheads? I'd sort yeah. of seen the – Yeah. I, I end up looking like one of that. I'll send you photos later if you want. Um, you can see my head still to this day has a massive scar. It's very deformed. Um and it's funny because everyone looks at it, but I think no one wants to say anything. <laughs> I'm like, I, you couldn't offend me if you tried. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't take myself seriously at all, man. Um, but I'm just saying, yeah, it's it was in a pretty bad way. And uh, I was sitting there and I was on these medications. I was on, I actually become addicted to opioids. So endone and targin. And I was having really, really horrible dreams, man. Like things that I could never see myself doing like very violent things and don't get me wrong of as as someone that's worked doors for oh, just a bit over a decade i guess um for that time I've, I've been in just you know more than my fair share of, of encounters i didn't want to be in put it that way and um but I, I i never intentionally have ever screwed anyone over or you know bashed anyone that didn't deserve it you know that sort of thing um i i, I caught a couple of guys beating up women uh, on the way home in Japan just recently. And I talked about that on my YouTube. So that just to give it some context, I only give it to someone that deserves it. I'm, other than that, I'm, I'm quite a, uh, a friendly guy, I'd say. You know what I mean? I like to be approachable and someone who's a, a group leader and, and um, has to lead by example and be positive and productive and persistent, all these things in classes. I try to you know, lead by example and not, not be a prick to anyone. But in these dreams, man, I'm telling you, like, it was horrible. I woke up and I was scared. I was scared of what... I was doing, I was scared of what was happening and I haven't felt that vulnerable or weak or, do you know what I mean? Like since I was a kid, man, like, and it just wasn't me. I'm like, what is this? You was know, it, it was the really... same type of feeling that you, you got when you originally saw this potential yeah. demon? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Do you, do you and... think it was potentially trying to, to change the way that you were thinking then? See, until until just recently, man, like until I sent you the original sort of story and just talking to you now, I, I didn't really put those two together. Like I thought it, to be honest, I thought it was the drugs, the endone and targin. I've spoken to other people that have been hooked on it as well, and it's just absolutely horrible. But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm open to that idea, um, but I'm not convinced if you get what I mean. Same as my encounters in the bush. I'm not going to tell you, oh, that was a yowie. It's just something interesting that, has happened and has sparked my interest and that's probably what led me to your podcast to be honest you know what i mean like it's not yeah i'm just not definitive about it but having said that I, the doctor came up and saw me uh, i had a home doctor and they were, they were testing what was leaking out of my head which was only hematobin so they were checking if it wasn't like spinal fluid or anything like that and i said to him i've got to get off these drugs i'm having horrible horrible dreams if i don't take it for half a day or whatever my stomach is in knots and this and that what's going on he goes look you're addicted I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we're having withdrawal symptoms like any junkie. And I was like, oh, awesome. Thanks. So you doctors know how horrible these things are for you. And you go and prescribe them. That's wicked. Cheers, man. Jesus. Like, 
you know, and so I, um, that's at that point is when I first started using medicinal cannabis and, um, I still, I have a prescription now. I'm a TGA approved patient. That's half the reason I spend a lot of time in Australia other than trying to get my daughter to learn English and go to a school here. But, you know, I've had all sorts of things in the States, man, like edibles and things. And I've <laughs> had mad trips and all that sort of thing uh, whilst, whilst experiencing that. And I've never had any sort of hallucination um, that has made me see a spirit or a demon or have any bad dreams or anything. It was only at that time that I was on these prescription drugs, these, these opioids, this endonatogen, as I said, and it was only around that time. So as I think I said to you, my head was swelling up and it ended up popping and it's very hard to explain, but I'll send you photos. <laughs> You're probably going to be a bit grossed out. <laughs> but um, I woke up, man, I was in my chair because I had to sleep sitting up. So I woke up to this like <laughs> type sound and there's blood spurting all over my chest and my arms and that. And I'm like, what? Uh, and, I, and I don't know, I guess my mum and my auntie, the nurse, could hear the commotion. They came in and they were patching me up and, you know, had towels on me and all that. And as I said, the, the, the doctor was coming up and testing that after that to make sure it wasn't spinal fluid. But with that, uh, my head popping, so to speak, it, it relieved me so much. Like I was able to sort of see clearly and think a little bit clearer. And I, and I was able to stand up alone for the first time went to the toilet and I come back and as I've come back to the room and I've sat down in the chair that I sleep in and I closed the door, the door jammed and it was as if someone put their foot in it. You know what I mean? If you yeah. close the door and someone's put their foot in and gone, hold on, I've got something to say to you sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. And, and this, it's hard to explain just over the phone, but <laughs> this big black uh, hand with very long fingers, like I've, I've got a big hand obviously being a bigger dude. The fingers were like twice as long as mine. I've got a size 15 shoe, so I've got a big hand as well, if you know what I mean. So the fingers and the, the hand and the arm of this thing were a lot bigger than mine. I was freaking, man. Like it it came around to my side of the door. It sort of come around and just the way that it moved, like sort of not clenching its fist, but the fingers wiggling as it sort of grabbed this thing, oh, latched wow. onto the door, pulled it towards itself sort of thing as it sort of coming towards me, but it was sort of latching onto it so it could pull itself around. And I, saw, I started to see the face and straight away I knew that it was this thing again and I was just like... You're kidding. Uh, yeah, I was just... I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words now. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, F off, F off, F off. That's what I said to you before about parameters and explicit language. So I was, I was screaming like like that and um, my mum and it's, it's kind of weird being a guy my size and saying, Mummy! <laughs> Which wasn't what happened, but it may as well have because they come running in the room like, what's going on? And I was just like, I was so dumbfounded, man. I didn't know what it was. I didn't, I had no explanation, but it's like, have you ever been that stressed and just annoyed and effed off that you just want to go to sleep? You know what I mean? I think any man with a wife and kids like me has definitely been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I can I've relate got, to that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a teenage daughter, bro, so I'm like, oh, do you. I'm going to go to bed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so it was kind of like that, man. I've just gone – it's like I just gave up. I didn't you were just emotionally drained it. from it. Yeah, and just just so – yeah, I'd say, and mentally as well. Like I, I, wasn't, I wasn't freaking out or crying. I kind of was um, intimidated, obviously, because I didn't know what this was, and it's not as if I can fight it. I was kicking and throwing my hands at the door and it was as if it was making no difference. I'm going, you know, F off, F off, F off. I'm, I'm trying to kick and, and just make any attempt to get this thing to back away from me. And it was as if 
I don't know, man, a second or two after that, it was just, just disappeared, just gone, just absolutely nothing, you know? That's that's really, really terrifying there, Luke. It, it almost sounds like this thing has just been maybe – do you think this thing is attached to you? Um, it's, I, I feel that, you know, since talking to everyone in Japan um, and in Malaysia, I spent a lot of time in Malaysia too – and everyone in my sort of inner circle, if that makes sense, from what we've discussed, I feel like it was a protector. Um, although I've spoken to many people, even on my podcast, as I said, that are, that sort of say they talk to spirits or spiritual mediums and this and that. And I, you know, my former self would have just been like, yeah, right, idiot. You know, like I've, I've had good weed too, but I don't. I'm not that kind of. You know what I mean? Like I, don't, I haven't seen anything like that, but. I'm I'm just impartial these days, man, because I've had my experience and I and and my truth is my truth. You know what I mean? It's it's neither fact nor opinion. It's something that I've encountered and, and I believe. And I I hear all these people that give their stories to you, man, and I, I believe that they believe it. Um, so I can't say because I'm I'm that way inclined. Uh, I listen to a lot of scientific people and researchers in other podcasts. You know what I mean? That do research on you know psychology, for example, or or astrophysicists, you know, like, and I'm very intrigued by how they approach things. And I think the right way to be is impartial. Just look at the so-called evidence or facts or information that you have and uh, make a informed, uh, educated decision that's not biased or not emotionally sort of directed or, or influenced, if that makes sense. So I, I'm very open to that idea, but again, I'm not going to stand there and say, oh, this demon's following me, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's fair um, enough too. And it's it's a really good way to be because, you know, like we said earlier, it's really easy to be one of those people who fall into the trap of, I believe everything, everything that I read on the internet is true, this thing is 100% following me, and I'm definitely a psychic person. It's- the thing that, yeah, sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, the, the, the thing is, man, like I've, I've come across people that are, you know, th- their truth is their truth. They believe like the earth is flat or whatever. And that's that's fine if that's what makes them happy. doesn't affect me and how I sleep. But I'm just saying there's so much information out there that there's there's anything out there that can support your argument or your belief system. You know what I mean? And I'm not one that will sit there and look up all this stuff and go, oh, yeah, that's what it was. I've definitely, I live with a yowie or I live with a, a demon or whatever. I, I just, I'm not looking to be labeled as anything special or I don't need anything special in my life, any sort of special diet or whatever. I'm just not one of those people, to be honest with you, man. So I'm, I'm just putting the story out there and, and that's what happened to me. And that's, that's how I believe uh, that that's my truth, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, um, and that's absolutely fair enough. Do you think that the, the life that you've lived has, I guess, conditioned for, has conditioned you to have this event happen to you? Um, as in prepare for it mentally in that? Well, more so because of the, the beliefs that you have in the, in, in the way that you grew up. Do you think that the path that you followed has, has maybe welcomed this into your life? I'm not sure, to be honest, man. Um, uh, I... Yeah, as I was growing up, it was it was a, it was a bit of a rough childhood. I was out out of home at sixteen. Um, I felt scared and vulnerable, but tried to play the tough guy and you know running doors and all that sort of thing for as I said about a decade. I I thought I was tough. I was very territorial. I was was probably just young and stupid, and and um, I was sort of excited by scary things. You know, when we had to have contact or had to deal with certain underground influential people, I 
I'll be honest, at, at one point in the very beginning, I, I kind of thought that was cool. I never saw myself as like them or, or, or one of them uh, and still never will. But I think that you are a product of your environment and your logic, you know, to your logic, you'll never be wrong. As I speak to other people who, are, who speak with such conviction about, you know, their diet or their their wokeness or whatever. And that's cool. That's them, man. But it's very hard for me to talk to people about my experiences because one, as I said to you in our household, we mainly speak Japanese all day. You know, my missus doesn't speak English and we've been in Japan most of the time. So um, I have a very different outlook on things. And um, I definitely agree that yes, my upbringing and, and even adulthood being mostly in Japan has um, uh, probably led to uh, this path, so to speak. Um, I think we all have our own path, and and uh, as I as I study a lot of these sort of uh, people might call it spiritual guidances or whatever with Buddhism and Taoism, all that sort of thing, um, it influences my my approach to things. But I still just try to remain impartial. Hey, um, uh, I've got to say one thing that makes it really validating for me when I've heard other people's stories. Like my second episode of my podcast, um, the Luke Holloway podcast, is just. We had Jake Kassar on. Um, that was about Yowie's actually the, the second episode. And we had Jake Kassar on, who's a, who's a renowned Australian uh, survival expert on bush medicine, edible foods, et, sorry, edible plants in the bush and all that. And he talks about this story of Yowie's. And um, it was really cool because the most recent three videos on the Australian Yowie research, Australian Yowie hunters, whatever it was, on their YouTube channel, he actually was on there with the other two guys that were there with him. And they told the same story. And... Um, uh, on on my on my podcast again, another episode where the guy was talking about seeing spirits and all this and that. Another way that it was validated that I could believe him was when I asked him, "Did you see it clearly or not? Like, did you see this?" And he goes, "Man, it was kind of like when you when you look at something and you, you you sort of see it, but you don't." And the way he described it was different to mine, obviously, as I can't really remember, but it was very much how my experience was. It was very very similar in that I can tell you what it looks like. Um, but it was, it's it's just hard to explain. It wasn't it wasn't like I could see detail. But when I saw the hand come around the corner of that um, doorman, yeah, that was that was a lot clearer. It, um, I've got a Rottweiler that's in the next room. He's sixty kilos, and um, it was similar to his arm. But the the end of his arm, like the hand on the end of his arm, the hand of it was was more sort of human, but sort of like a claw if you get what i mean it was yeah, big no, and black I, I completely get it so you could actually see detail on the arm like hairs and and things like that um i i get the sense that it was um hairy at that point because it sort of it wasn't smooth if you get what i mean but it's like uh, it had some kind of texture to it yeah, definitely. It's 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 like when I've had to do police reports or incident reports or give statements on guys that we've had to be physically, you know, in contact with uh, on the job. It's like if you see that person again, you'll you'd, you'd spot them straight away. You'll never forget them. But when you're actually giving a description, this is something that we had to get better at. I remember in the beginning was describing people, and it was, it was it's kind of hard in the midst of a situation when things are kicking off. You have got that adrenaline dump. Um, you know, you're in a state of sort of panic and. 
it's very hard to take in a lot of information, let alone what you should do and how you should respond. And you, you, you know, you observe, you orientate, you decide, and you act on what you're going to do all within under two seconds. That's what we train people to do on the on the range, you know. And when this happened, it was a situation that I've never been in before. So I just shit myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't draw a weapon. I couldn't, uh, you know what I mean. I'm just like f off, f off, f off, I'm kicking at it, and I'm this and that. So what I'm trying to say is, I, I. I I got to look at it for sure, and I could I could probably just even about draw it if I could draw it any better, but um, it's it's clear to me what it was, and if I ever saw anything like it, it goes that that's exactly what it was. But to describe it is quite hard because there's nothing else really like it. That's why I said like my dog, it looks like his arm, but then the end is like my hand. So, seeing all this in your life, there, Luke, have have you got an opinion on what you you think you saw? Do you think it was something that was physical that was in the real world do you think it was maybe something yeah no i I don't think it is anything from the physical world i remember that you said uh before you said something about that would leave a a mental scar and the only reason i laughed is because i got this massive scar across the top of my head like a cracked egg (laughs) even now that you can see (laughs) and um i i believe that the experience both times is something that uh I get the sense that only I could see it, if that makes sense. Um, and and I'm, as I said, man, I've always been really skeptical of, uh, I, I go to the markets, you know, you've got your Monday markets here and other markets, and there's always these people with snake oil, you know, they're always trying to sell you these magnetic bracelets or special waters or, st- and I'm, I'm really skeptical, bro, you know, like I've, I've I've talked to people that claim to be clairvoyants or mediums. I just go, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's what you believe in. You're a decent person. You're not hurting anyone as long as I don't think they're ripping anyone off. I think whatever. Um, but I've, you know, as I said before, doing projects with some Korean guys from the Korean army and that, I was I was once told uh, something from a guy before. This is before the days of smartphones and, and social media and all that. So he couldn't have known anything about me, but he, he could tell me everything about me and he, he just knew. Um, it was very very bizarre and i've had encounters or or cross paths with certain people like that that have that sort of sense and i it sparked my interest but i sort of left it there and then when i encountered this it was like confirmation it was like going oh shit yeah this is this is real if you get what i mean real but not real not real in the sense that it's not something i can reach out and grab and touch or or anything like that or not, not, not like anyone that i thought had anyone broken into my room or anything but it was real in the sense that I saw it and I don't know, man, it was just like, it was like I was in touch with some sort of third dimension or, or, or some sort of spiritual realm or whatever. And we talk about this so much in, in Taoist beliefs and practices and Buddhist, you know, sutras and everything in different realms and different levels of enlightenment, all these things. And I've just always remained impartial, you know, it's, even when I was studying this as a teenager, I thought to myself, oh yeah, whatever, you know, cultivation, all this, I'm a teenager, I'll do what I want, you know. But it's always been there in the back of my mind. And as I said, when this sort of come up and, and happened, it's like confirmation. Um, have you ever seen something that you know is going to eventuate and you didn't want to, but it did anyway? Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, shit. You know, that we're just about to go back to Japan and the coronavirus has spread so far there now. We, we, we had to cancel all my seminars and tour there for, for next month. So it was kind of like that. It was like, you know that there's a reality, this dark element of something that you don't want to face. And you know it's coming and then it's it's like bam it happened and that's that's just happened to us it's the same thing man like it's i sort of i'd, I'd heard about this I'd, I'd so many people had told me about it i've been studying it i've been i've been involved in these groups 
I try and be as decent of a person as I can. I'm not the best Buddhist out there, obviously. Um, uh, but it, when this happened, it was just like confirmation that all these things, these, these spiritual stuff that people go on with, all of a sudden had such more validity to it, if that makes sense. And it really does. And just before I let you shoot off tonight there, Luke, I have one, one last question. Yeah, by all means. Do you think you'll see this again? I've, I've, I've learned that in my travels, anything, anything or anybody, are, are, they're unpredictable. Everything's unpredictable. But what I can say is that if I did see it again, I'm very intrigued, so I'd like to see it. I, I saw something driving down the road, like when I thought I had some sort of encounter with um, some sort of Bigfoot or whatever, you know what I mean? Like a Yowie, something I've always been intrigued by. But it's like I, I didn't see enough of it when I drove past again, it wasn't there. So it was like <laughs> I'd like to see it again to, to so that I could confirm for myself that, yes, I did see this or, yes, this is real. And it's just, it's just to that le- level of being intrigued of like, what was that? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I really want to see it again. But at the same time, man, I can tell you with absolute conviction that I don't want to see it again because it scared the shit out of me. And I'm not scared of much. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag or to try and sound like a badass. I'm just not much phases me. You know, I've, I've, I've been through so much shit in my life and I just think not, not much phases me, you know? And, and if I saw that again, I know that I'll have that sense or that feeling of, to be completely honest, just vulnerability, man. Like not, I mean, what can you do about it? You can't shoot it. You can't stab it. You can't fight it. You can't, you know what I mean? It feels like if I was to try and run, I didn't even run. It wasn't my, that wasn't my instinct. Cause I just knew like, what am I going to, how would I get away from it? Do you know what I mean? The first time I saw it, I mean, um, yeah, it was, it, it was just this absolute feeling of, of vulnerability and, and genuinely scared, man. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. As I said to you, I don't take myself too seriously. I, yeah, I was very vulnerable and scared. So um, I, I can't say to you in, with any sort of honesty or conviction that, uh, yeah, I'll see that again or nah, I'll never see it. I, I, I can't say to be honest, man, but I do know how I feel about it. And that's, um, I'm very intrigued, but pretty frightened at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I stand on it, I guess. <laughs> And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe. And you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.